What's going on, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I am here with uh, the very, we, we've stapled her the queen of Grizzly Twitter. Young Harry is on with us. We got a very special guest. Uh, we got a lot to get into. We're going to talk some Grizzlies, but Young Harriet is known for her top uh, analysis. She's got some of the best basketball knowledge in the game. So you guys are in for a treat today. Young Harriet, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's get into it. Let's talk some Grizz. So what are your thoughts overall just on the offseason? There's been a lot of debate amongst Grizz Twitter, especially about how the Grizzlies handled this offseason. What would you, if you had to put a grade on it, what would you grade and then kind of give you a breakdown of why? Okay. In, let me just say this. Initially, and when I say initially, after the draft, I was in a full-blown panic. <laughs> but after, after looking at it and evaluating and reevaluating some of the things that have been said and some of the moves that have been made, I'm going to give the Grizzlies a C. Okay. Because for the simple fact is I believe that um, I believe that the veterans are going to be missed. And as Grizzlies fans, you know, and people who are associated with the Grizzlies, working with the Grizzlies, you you knew what you were going to get with DeAnthony Melton and Slow Mo. But there's so much unknown about the rookies draft class that it just made not only me nervous, but Grizz Nation as a whole nervous, I believe. So I'm going to give it a C because we, we don't really know what the result is going to be. And we're not going to be happy until the end of the season. Right, right. That's a good point. And that's that's about what I give it to. I, I'd say about a C. So what were some of the things that you liked about what they did this offseason? The one thing that I did like uh, during the draft, they did seem to address the need for shooting with the acquisition of Jake LaRavia, David Roddy. And for the most part, I'm going to say um, – I'm going to say Vince Williams and Kennedy Chandler. I think, you know, you know, I think those rookies can fill in adequately. It, it just depends on their roles, how their roles develop within the system throughout the season. I think they can um, fill in adequately in terms of shooting for the Grizzlies and what the Grizzlies need within the function of the offense. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, I I tell you one thing, I'll throw this in too. I don't know how how you feel about it, but they also seem they seem to go for long wingspans. They seem to notice that Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton sort of had a lot of the deflections with their wingspans last year, and they seem to try to want to recreate that, even though they didn't have those players. That seemed to be a priority, in the, at least in the draft. And that's a good point because I looked at it. You know, I try to look at everything, pay attention to everything. And I think the only guy with a, you know, even wingspan that they drafted was Jake LaRavia. And he's right at, he's 6'8 with a 6'9 wingspan. And, and but the rest of the uh, young men that they drafted, they have over a plus three, a plus three positive wingspan. And I think they can only benefit the Grizzlies, especially on the defensive end. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. 100% agree. So what about the concerns that you have about the offseason? My, my, well, I had two going into the draft specifically. Number one, I didn't want them to draft another short point guard. And <laughs> I had gotten into it with a couple of uh, Grizzlies fans because they were really championing uh, Kennedy Chandler and the possibility of him playing behind uh, both Tyus Jones and John Morant because, you know, they wanted not only was he a Memphis kid, but he had he had the ability to make shots and play that point guard position, that third point guard position that the Grizzlies uh have needed uh since John Moran has become the starting point guard. I, I just didn't want a, a shorter point guard. And number two, I think they need him, I think they still do need more size on the interior. Uh Brandon Clark, for everything that he is, he's still an undersized power forward in the center. I think they need one more big man. And I think there were some uh, big men, uh, not only in the draft, but on the open market that the Grizzlies could have gone after, but they chose not to at this particular time. Yeah, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I think that probably is. I know that's, that right now my number one concern is, is the rim protection. And that speaks to exactly what you're talking about, about that interior defense is that seems to be missing to me, especially without Jaron Jackson Jr. and that injury. Did did that injury, um, obviously it's going to make you more concerned, but um, about the concerns you did have, how did that shape what you think about the offseason now? Now that the draft's done and summer league's over, um, where, where do you fit right now? Like my viewpoint, my viewpoint of the, my viewpoint of this offseason continues to shift because I don't think necessarily they're they're done. Now, if the Grizzlies go in with this particular roster, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Santi Aldama. Uh, if you uh, follow me into a Grizz, a grindhouse space after you know a post uh, game space, I'm a Santi Aldama fan. However, I don't think he can play a lot of minutes at that power forward spot. And even though Xavier Tillman has some experience, he's still undersized to me. So I'm a little bit worried, but hopefully, uh, even though there won't be real protection, there'll be a little bit better rebounding. And that way, as long as they can grab the ball and go, I'm fine with it, if that happens to be the case. Right. But, but Jaron definitely will be missed. I know that's for sure. I know that's for sure. They say right now he's supposed to be gone four to six months. There was a report Jaron put out, well, not a report, but Jaron put out on Instagram that his foot surgery is coming along well. We'll ultimately see what that means. It's always hard to know exactly what that means with the Grizzlies organization. They do tend to lean to Aaron on the side of caution when it comes to these injuries. So we'll see what timeline it is that Jaron truly can't come back in. But I, in my opinion, it does it does leave a lot more question marks uh, with that injury, not knowing exactly how long for sure he will be gone. But they, you mentioned the pressure on Salty Adama. I think that the pressure that they if, they, if they don't make another move, if the roster stands it is, as it is, I think that puts a lot of pressure on these rookies, like your Jake LaRavia's, and uh, maybe even David Roddy, just, you just, there's just that Kyle Anderson role, I think is very much so something that's missed. And Jake LaRavia is, 
I think he was drafted to be the more direct Kyle Anderson type replacement. So what what are your thoughts on our rookie class right now? How do you think they fit in with the Grizzlies and and do you think they can help help us this season? So let's start. With I, I, go ahead. I, I was saying let's start with Jake maybe because he was. First. I absolutely do think they can help overall, and I do believe they will help overall. Uh, Jake Laravia is interesting because I think he kind of phoned it in. I've been looking at some of his highlights from uh, not only Wake Forest, but this recent pro-am that he was in. Hmm. And I don't know if he was out of shape or whatever the issue was, whether Corona really affected him to that extent. Mm -hmm. But I do think uh, Jake LaRavia is going to help the Grizzlies tremendously especially when you're talking about Ja coming downhill and all of those eyes on Ja and Ja's ability to find uh that man off that off one dribble pickup that he does and you know pass it over to the corner I think that is going to be invaluable because as long as you don't make uh Jake LaRavia move off his spot and as long as he's square to the basket mm-hmm. he is he was doggone near automatic and that, that right there, that's that's invaluable. Uh, those are invaluable points for the Grizzlies, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, I feel a lot more comfortable about his ability to slide in and fit in with this team before the summer league. The summer league did give me some concerns. Now there are, you know, there's some reasons why Jake Laravia didn't take that many shots, but I was personally concerned with how his shot attempts decreased as he got more minutes. Uh, to me, that was a little nervous. The Grizzlies is, is a great organization to grow, especially with your shooting, though. So I think overall he'll be okay. But especially with the first half of this season, it does concern me. Um, where where do you fall with that? Did, did that concern you at all, or are you pretty pretty straight on? It 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 is concerning to a certain extent. I'm like, I'm just gonna be honest. I was in a complete panic. When I saw him after the first game, yeah. How, however, what I'm banking on is that he will be better once he's surrounded by better players, mm-hmm. and he is not going to be required to do what he may have been required to do in summer league. And the relationship between he and Desmond Bain, I think that is going to bear fruit. Because if you remember during Desmond Bain's rookie campaign, Desmond Bain, he didn't go through it to the extent of of what Jake LaRavia went through it with. But Desmond Bain had a hard time initially getting his shot off. Mm. So what, what I'm hoping is that he gets in the gym with Desmond Bain. You know, they continue that bond that they clearly have being from Indiana. And Desmond Bain takes him under his wing in the same way, in the same manner that Dylan Brooks uh, took Desmond Bain under his wing. I I think it's going to uh, work out extremely well for uh, not only uh, Mr. LaRavia, but the Grizzlies as a whole when it comes down to needing uh, perimeter shooting. And he doesn't seem to be afraid of the moment. That's one thing I can say already. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's some great that's a great point. And and one thing I want to put out point out about is as you and I both talk through these rookies and these draft and these draft picks, 
I think it's important to keep in mind the Grizzly strategy when you're talking about how this draft class projects or what they could be. From my view, I feel like they were looking for complementary players. I don't really think that they were going into this draft looking for the highest ceiling players. I'm not sure that Jake LaRavia, you draft him for his ceiling. You draft him for what he is, what you hope he can add and contribute to your team in terms of his well-roundedness, his ability to rebound and to at least defend from a team perspective, his ability to shoot. I feel like that sort of was a common theme. And I don't know how, how what your thoughts on that, but that's sort of, when I'm thinking about the Grizzlies in this draft, it's important at least for me to keep in mind what the Grizzlies were trying to do when they were making these draft picks. If you, and I totally agree with that sentiment. If you go back and you look at what the Grizzlies have done in the draft, that's exactly what they did. They already had their superstar in Ja Ja Morant. Mm -hmm. They uh, drafted very well, not only with Ja Morant, but with Brandon Clark as well, because without Brandon Clark, I don't know if the Grizzlies would have won that Minnesota series, if we're being totally honest. Mm -hmm. And then you come back and then you take a, you take a swing with Desmond Bain. You know what I mean? That shooter that everybody was looking for to put beside uh, Ja Morant. And you take another swing with Santi Aldama. Santi Aldama and Zaire Williams, that, that upside swing that everybody, you know, wants to say, if this kid develops correctly and he he shoots the ball like it appears that he can shoot it. He will be another piece to put alongside of Jai and Jaren. I think this particular draft class is exactly what you said. Going into this playoff series, the Grizzlies needed consistent shooting from the wing. And that's exactly what the Grizzlies drafted. Consistent shooting from the wing. Now, it may not have come in the package that the Grizzlies fans and some of the Grizzlies media expected, but the Grizzlies front office drafted the top three shooters, in my opinion, out of the entire draft. Now they athletically, they may not be the smoothest out of the bunch, but they are, in my opinion, the three out of the six best shooters in this draft play for the Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. Well, that's 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 a pretty impressive statement. And and if you are a concerned Grizzlies fan, hopefully that's something that will reassure you. And I think that's something that shoot or shoot. So I think that's something that translates to the NBA, even if there is a slight adjustment period. So I'm 100 percent with you on that. So we'll continue the rookie breakdowns. We already talked about Jake LaRavia a little bit. So let's talk about uh, David Roddy and. You know, the, the Grizzlies did trade Anthony Milton and they traded uh they traded up to get that uh David Roddy. So what so what are your thoughts on that move that the Grizzlies did to trade Anthony Milton, trade up in the draft to get David Roddy? The thoughts about the move and your thoughts about David Roddy as a player and how he fits into what the Grizzlies want to do. In the end, I'm a person when it comes to the Grizzlies, I run off pure emotion. Uh and then I have to sit back and think about it analytically. Uh, I did not like the move initially because I don't think it was a good value for giving up De'Anthony Melton because of everything that he did for the team and his ability to uh, 
to affect the game, especially on the defensive end. And, and that's a lot coming from me because I felt like if anybody was going to get traded this season, whether it was going to be in season or this off season, it was going to be De'Anthony Melton because I felt like that his play was inconsistent from the regular season to the playoffs. Now, that being said, with the addition of David Roddy, I love David Roddy. I call him P.J. Harden. That's what I like. <laughs> I, like uh, I think that that gentleman has dog in him, and he won't be scared to mix it up. And I think the Grizzlies need a little bit of that along with his scoring. When you put him on the ball, he is – doggone near unstoppable for his size and his agility and his ability to read the floor. His passing is an underrated skill that I think uh, the Grizzlies coaching staff is they're going to discover this year and they're going to be able to utilize that as part of their offense. And I, I, I love the kid. I do personally because I think he has so much in his bag and so, so much game development left, I think he might be the gem of the entire class. I think if the Grizzlies can get two out of the four of them to perform at a high level in in a role, you know, something similar to Zaire Williams, I, I think we could call this a win for this draft class no matter where the Grizzlies f- finish as a whole, whole this year. I completely agree with that, especially that statement about the two. I, I really – because I think that's what you need. I think this team needs two consistent, reliable role players who have the strengths of, like you said, shooting, passing, um, although you, you kind of want to be well-rounded on this Grizzlies team. But, but yeah, so that's interesting about David Roddy. Do you have any concerns about his size? Do you think a lot of people say that, that they're skeptical about him because of his size? Do you have any concerns about how that'll fit on the NBA floor? I do. I do. Those probably those same concerns people had with uh PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. the same concerns they had with Chuck Hayes. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> but he has he has shown the ability to offensively affect the game, unlike either one of those gentlemen can at this point from what we have seen. And those are encouraging signs for me. Now, in terms of defense, you know, his lack of length, yeah, we're going to see it once he goes up against NBA-level competition. But until he's thrown in the fire, we won't know what type of help he's going to need. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I actually was really encouraged. I would say I was most encouraged by David Roddy. He, the way he started off the summer league, was he he looked totally lost. I mean, he really, he, he just looked, I'm not going to say he didn't look like he belonged on the NBA floor, but he very much so looked a part yeah, of him the, like he was trying the game, to do. The game was too fast for him. It, yes. One, one other encouraging thing for a Grizz Nation to hold on to, and you will know this being a Seahawks fan, that David Roddy used to be a quarterback. And you That's can't right. play quarterback if you don't have good feet and good balance. So he is he is used to this. He's just doing it as a basketball player now. So that's encouraging as well. Like I said, I, I love David Roddy because I think David Roddy is a dog. 
Yeah, right now I've been calling him Big Body Roddy. Now I'm I'm a fan of it, especially with it. Like you said, I can see as the as he got more comfortable, you started to see that aggression. You started to see that mentality of nobody else will step up, I would step up or make this explosive dunk or make this play or make this pass. It, it sort of you really you really saw his evolution pretty quickly. And that showed me a lot about just sort of who he is as a player from a mentality standpoint. Really, if you got that mentality in, in, in on a part of the Grizzlies, that's that's a big part. I mean, you're going to have the skill sets and everything, but you want to fit the, the mentality and the culture to to know when to take your shots and when not to take your shot. That, that's huge on this team. So, yeah, excellent point. Like I, said, like I said, I call him Roddy Roddy Piper. I have a couple of uh, – <laughs> Nicknames for David Wright. David Wright might end up being my favorite player out of this entire class. That's aside from um Junior. But I think he has potential to be exactly what the Grizzlies need. Right, right. So let's move on to the player who you originally, when the draft first started, you said you did not want a small point guard. Now they did get Kennedy Chandler a, a very good value in the second round. So since they did get a very small point guard, but they re-signed Tyus, where's your head at with it now? Okay, so I have I have been um I've been going back and forth with uh Kennedy Chandler, honestly. Because I during the during the um during the preseason, I just didn't see what everybody was saying, you know. And I went back and I looked at some of his, you know, highlights and tapes of games, and and I could see why it may have been a little bit more difficult for him because he was playing off the ball with mm-hmm. Zakai Ziegler at uh, the University of Tennessee. So there is going to be a little bit of adjustment. And he is also 19 years old, you know. So and for him to be able to play behind Josh, somebody he clearly respects and clearly loves, I think that's going to benefit him more. And it's going to allow Josh to take more of a leadership role. Right, you know, especially when they're on the court together, in the way that Ja and Tyus already communicate, that's only going to help uh, Kennedy more. Uh, Kennedy Chandler has every ability to become the next uh, whoever he wants to be. I just think, you know, I just think he's small, mm-hmm. you know, and he definitely will be playing behind Ja at some point, and I think people. Uh, should get ready to go see him in junior in uh, South Haven because yeah. if he can develop consistency, whether it be passing, uh, hitting that passing pocket to junior, coming off of that pick and roll, especially at the free throw line, and if he can develop a consistent mid-range jumper, he is going to be playing for the Grizzlies more sooner rather than later. And that's, you know, that's ultimately the hope for, for him as right. a player. Something I've seen in him, his defensive ability really flashed. Uh, I think that really gives him a spot, uh, potentially a future on his roster. If he can do that, like I said, if he can get a mid-range game, that's great. But even if he could just get a layup package, like like similar to like John Morant has, he's not going to get the exact layup package because he's not job. But if he can just figure out ways, utilitarian ways to finish at the basket, I think that'll go a long way just with his speed and athleticism. He can really get downhill really, really fast. And I, I think that's a it's an elite trait if he can just learn how to 
work with it in his size, given his size I, in the NBA. That's going to be. I absolutely agree. Size. Yep. That's going to be one of his. I absolutely agree with you. And you can see him trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, during the summer league. Right. And he's one of the right, he's one of the right players. That that's for sure. Uh I may, I may be worried about him if he was on some other team, but uh with Ja, and a lot of people, this is just the just a quick side note. A lot of people do think that a lot of the things Ja does is box office and it's flashy and it's this, but a lot of it he learned how to do because he was so small. He was so small. So that layup package that he's got, he had to learn how to finish at the rim. He had to learn how to finish at the rim in a variety of ways based off what the defense gave him. People don't really realize that, but but Kennedy Chandler's going to have to do the same thing to, to get that same package, not just because it looks cool, but because that's how you're going to have to finish at the rim amongst, you know, seven feet players in the NBA. And you said something that's very, very important. His defensive acumen, I believe, is going to get him on the floor, but his reach is going to help him finish around the basket. And I, I'll give you an example. John Morant can not only go over you, most of those times, John Morant goes around people Yep. with their reach. And if, if Kennedy Chandler can develop that package, like you were saying, I think he's going to be a valuable asset as a backup to uh, – John Morant and the and his contract as opposed to what uh Tyus Jones is making at 15 million dollars a year for the next two years that's a value that you cannot beat in a backup point guard 100 percent 100 percent so our last official draftee is Vince Williams Jr. and I remember hearing you talk about Vince Williams Jr. when when we drafted him in the Grizzly Spaces um, your analysis on him and just what you thought he would he would be for this team. Um, so I'm curious to hear your breakdown, you know, rehear your breakdown and see, you know, I was a little underwhelmed by him, I'll be honest, at the summer league. Um, and that could just be because, you know, he, it was I'm sure it wasn't a top priority for the Grizzlies, but what are your thoughts on Vince Williams Jr.? I'm, I'm going to say this. After the first game, I, I was hyped. I said, okay, we finally got somebody on this team that don't do anything but hoop. He 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 eat, he sleeps, and he hoops. You <laughs> know, I I think one of the things that kind of hindered him is that he uh, didn't have a defined role on this summer league team. Mm. If you look at the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have an incredible amount of depth at the wing, and to start off. Vince, Vince Williams' career, he's going to have to play the wing position. But where is he going to get time when you try to de- when you're trying to develop Zaire at the some some shooting guard, very small doses of shooting guard and small forward. So where where are you going to get time? And him being him being left handed, that's just a man after my own heart. <laughs> uh, I think his length and his ability to handle the ball in the open court. Once he gets down there in the uh, Memphis hustle system, I think he has an opportunity to be a player. They're just going to have to find playing time for him. He eats, he sleeps, and he hoops. He don't have time for what we're talking about. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And it's hard not to have raving reviews about Kenny Lofton Jr. I mean, he was the show of the summer league, really. 
he came and impressed in a in a big way. So uh, thoughts on Junior, as he likes to be called. Oh, thoughts on Junior. Let me say this. Uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. continues to impress me. And I know I'm just a Grizzlies fan, but he continues to impress me as a person who likes working, person who, who believes in going to the gym and practicing and honing your skill. Kenneth Lofton Jr. has done it without the lights being on him. He looks thinner now than he did in the summer league. That right there is hopeful to me. If the Grizzlies can somehow put somebody beside Jaron Jackson that can actually get a consistent bucket in the post, oh, Lord. And, and Jaron doesn't have to do anything but worry about worrying about uh, running into the front of the ring, rim, shooting threes, and protecting the basket. The Grizzlies might have something on their hands. Kenneth Lofton Jr., his bag is ever-expanding. He has, you know, he has the guard handles, and it doesn't surprise me because before he hit his uh, growth spurt, they said, I read somewhere, that he was a guard. Yeah, he so, was a point. I think he ran point, he said, growing up most of the time. Right. So the continued maturation of his game, it's just beautiful to see and for him, and I don't understand why he wasn't drafted, because if he is on the United States under-19 team, and he, he was the best player on that team, I don't see how uh, Chet Holmgren got MVP. Then he there should have been more credence given to his skill as a basketball player. Uh, we have seen several basketball players come in and not the ideal shape but they tend to dominate the league. And I think he has the bag and he has the work ethic to want to do so. On draft night, he has one of the most famous tweets in on the Grizz Nation. He's like, everybody going to pay. I was huh. like, yes. I, yes. Didn't, I didn't see that one. <laughs> yes, he, I didn't see that one. Wow. Yes, on, on draft night when he wasn't drafted, uh, Grindhouse Grizzlies and I, he, Grindhouse DM me. He said, did you see that? I said, yeah, did you see it? He said, everybody going to pay. And Grindhouse, before we even, we were talking about the draft, he was like, watch out for Kenneth Lofton Jr. If we get Kenneth Lofton Jr., we're going to be a problem. And you know, manifestation in the, the way manifestation in the universe works, we just happened to get, uh, I call him, I call him Barkley Zebo. <laughs> we, I, I, I'm just That's excited because I'm just excited for a kid who nobody thought you know he didn't fit your prototypical role of what an NBA player is supposed to be and for him to get a shot and for him to dominate in the manner that he has I'm excited for the kid and he has to improve defensively of course but with the work in the developmental system that the Grizzlies have, I have no doubt that he's going to do it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I really can't wait to see him in preseason. I'm so, I mean, I'm super excited to see. Yeah, I'm going to say it right now, Killy and Tilly. It was nice knowing you, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice knowing you. A couple of them. I'm just going to be real. I can't be nothing else. Uh, Xavier Tillman. Uh, if yep. you don't tighten up, if you don't tighten up and figure out how to hit the top of the key three, uh, 
it might be nice knowing you too. Yeah, we're, we're all we're all family until uh you miss a bucket. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. But yeah, I, that's just the talent that he has. I mean, he his talent his talent is undeniable, and just with his work ethic, like you said, I just feel like he's gonna overcome any of the any of the naysayers or the doubters. I just feel like he's got that work ethic to to make it, to make it on this team. And the Grizzlies will give you a chance. If you prove you've got the talent and you prove you're willing to work hard and commit, this is the team to be on. So especially Killian Tilly, uh, he better be looking real close over his shoulder because uh, I, I, I don't know how you get her sitting on the bench, but okay. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, I've just found it strange that he didn't play in someone. I'm like, did they not play him because they were scared he was going to get hurt again? Why is he not? I do believe he had some type of back surgery. Oh, boy. So he had another procedure somewhere in there which didn't allow him to play. Mm. And that in itself, it opened the door for uh, Junior, and Junior walked right in like he had been there. Yep, and and that's what you want. And Junior just doesn't look like he's afraid of the moment. And he he is ready for it. And when you when you have Jabba ran behind you, and him setting the tone for the type of player that he is, and the aggression and the passion that he plays with, how can you not? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that is our wrap up of our junior class of our draft class. So. I said, Junior, I still got, still got him on it. Still got him on the mind. I, I understand. I cannot, wait until, I cannot wait until preseason. Get your hustle tickets, folks. Get the season tickets. It's worth the, it's worth the show this year. Um, so let's talk about the Grizzlies as a whole. So now we got because this, this, this offseason really was more about the rookies than it was anything else. There weren't a whole lot of other moves made. They re-signed Tyus. They had this draft class, and that's pretty much it. Um, so given the context of where they are right now, because it's all we can grade, you don't know if they'll make moves or not. Where how do you predict that the Grizzlies will use their rotation? I'm I'm gonna say this, and I don't know if people are gonna agree with me, listeners are gonna agree with me. I think the Grizzlies are gonna use the first 15 to 20 games to figure their rotation out because there are Still, so many unknowns with with the addition of the rookies, and also remember, uh, Zaire and Santi are going to be stepping in the roles that they're unfamiliar with too, and be they're going to be required to do more. And once you're required to do more, of course, that's uh, more pressure. Uh, I overall, I do expect the Grizzlies to finish in the top six. Do I think they're going to finish number two? No, I do not. You have to account for uh, other teams getting better. And when I do say getting better, I do mean by getting back uh, injured players, specifically mm-hmm. Denver and the Clippers. And even, you know, and, and this is blasphemy coming from me, uh, the L.A. Lakers. Uh, so. Well, it's hard to come to me, really. It's, yes. It's bad as they, that's how bad as they were last year. It's just kind of, you got to come better than that. Okay, do you hear me? I was over here with light sage and praying for LeBron James ankles. As, as you been don't do don't do it, brother. But you know, I I I think the Grizzlies are going to be okay. I think um, 
I think Taylor Jenkins is going to be better in terms of his in-game adjustments, which is something that I think it took him entirely too long to do last season. Yeah, I agree. You I know, agree. I think I think that um, Desmond Bain is going to take another step. Uh, ja Morant, I don't think Ja is going to let, you know, the Grizzlies fall that far. Yeah. You know, and, pe- and people have, you know, harped on the Grizzlies not having veterans. All oh, the Grizzlies don't have veterans. The Grizzlies do have veterans. What do you call John Moran is going into his fourth year. Now, he is only 23, you know, by number, but he's a four-year NBA veteran. Jaron Jackson is a five-year NBA veteran. So, that, and with that, there comes a, a certain expectation of leadership and know-how and showing these rookies what the standard of Memphis Grizzlies basketball really means. So I'm looking forward to the season. I don't, and again, to reiterate, I don't think they're going to finish number two, but I really don't care about that. As long as they finish like in the top six, preferably in the top four, so the Grizzlies can have home court advantage at some point in the playoffs, because I do think the Grizzlies need to learn how to win their initial playoff game. Yes. It's a great point. That's you know, I will 100% agree. I, I, I will 100% agree with you. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking top six. I would love top four. I would really love top four if they're able to do that. The only – and one thing I'm interested to see if this changes. Last year when John had his biggest games sometimes, the rest of the, – they, they still – it still wouldn't necessarily translate to wins. I'm curious if – him having those bigger games will translate the wins more because that's really what's going to be needed in order for the Grizzlies to deal with this span of not having Jaron Jackson Jr. It's going to take Ja having the big games, but it's going to take him having the big games and them still winning. But see, and you 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 are right where I was. I think they're still, you know, people are so enamored by Ja jumping and Ja making a highlight play. Ja still has a lot of maturation to do in terms of him being a point guard of a winning team. Mm-hmm. Ja Morant can go out and get 30 points, 10 assists, and five rebounds in his sleep. That's not that's not what is going to be the winning formula for the Grizzlies. Can you get Jack, can you get Jaron Jackson when he comes back? Can you put him in the position to be the most successful player and the most effective player he needs to be in order for him to be dominant for the Grizzlies? Can you get Desmond Bain the ball in his shooting pocket? Can you attract enough attention to get Jake LaRavia those wide-open three-point shots so he doesn't have to move? Because when he is square to the basket, he is catch. Can (laughs) You know, can you put Steven Adams in a position to where if he is playing in the pick and roll, you can drop that little that little uh, pocket pass right where he needs it in order for him to just lay the ball up or dunk the ball. Those are the type of things that I want to see Ja from Ja in his ability. He needs to improve his ability to move off the ball. Like, it's, e- it's easy to guard you when you're standing still in the corner. But how can you use the attention that you attract to benefit the other members of your team? And I think once he 
finds that balancing act, the Grizzlies are on a trajectory to be uh, dominant for years to come. I 100% agree. And, And my thoughts on this season is, I think I agree. I don't think I don't think they're going to be number two. I'd, I'd be very surprised if they were number two, especially in the league this this upcoming year. I can see a world where they have a worse regular season, but they're positioned to make a better playoff run. And I feel like that's what matters more. Just with the moves that they made this offseason, like you said, to emphasize more consistent shooting, that in itself go it does a lot for the playoff capabilities or the playoff longevity um, once they get started in the postseason. And one thing about it, I mean, the Laravian and, and Roddy, they got some some beef to them too. So if they can learn how to set some screens, I'll say it again, if they can learn how to set some screens, they can also give another very important component to the half-court offense um, that, that they'll need in the – postseason as well because a lot of the success of the Grizzlies last season was off of things that wouldn't necessarily translate as much to the playoffs and I feel like they're setting themselves up a little bit differently this upcoming year and I think I think that's where the importance of Stephen Adams comes in right you know people tend to to uh forget his contribution one of the best things about Stephen Adams is his ability to set screens what are they going to look like when David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, and even Junior get in a lab with Stephen Adams? Stephen yeah. Adams, his tutelage has already helped Jaron, and Jaron was in his fourth year. So what benefits is Stephen Adams going to prove out when he gets those rookies and he says, this is how we operate as big men within the function of the offense? I, I look forward to it. Because the screen setting and the pick and rolls during the summer league, it was almost non-existent. Right. <laughs> That's just something I definitely noticed. And I feel like that would change, you know, in the regular season. Of course, when you got Coach Taylor Jenkins coming, you got your you got your more talented players uh, coming in as well. But that would be something that they can learn those skills that bowls even more well. Because this team, that it's shown that rookies can contribute in the postseason, not in big ways. Desmond wasn't out here saving the day against the Warriors in the play-in, but he played a contributing role, as did Xavier Tillman, as did Zaire Williams last year. So I think in, if you're looking for them to play just sort of a small within their role, contribute, especially if you're just saying go out there and shoot, that's exactly what this Grizzlies team needs. That's what they were missing against the Timberwolves. Couldn't hit any of the open shots. But if you got shooters out there that can consistently hit those shots, that makes for a totally different dynamic in the playoffs. And hopefully, and I know we've been talking about the players a little bit, hopefully there is some variant in the play calling by Taylor Jenkins as well. During the the Minnesota Timberwolves series, the Grizzlies were very successful out of the Horns set. But it was only, you know, it was it wasn't run consistently enough, you know, uh, for the Grizzlies to uh, not only get a lead but keep a lead before they're down, you know, fifteen or twenty. If you, you know, get where I'm coming from. So hopefully mm-hmm. there is a variant in the play calling. 
I think it's still just like give Ja the ball. Right. I think it will be. And even in, like you said, the in-game adjustments, which matters so much with that first playoff game, like you said, learning how to win at home, a big part of that is the play calling and the play adjustments in that first game and not using the whole first game to experiment and feel your way through, but seeing really coming out with a game, kind of trying to think ahead of the game. But even if you don't do that, the ability to adjust in-game quickly at halftime at the least and make the adjustments needed to go out and still win that first game. I think the Grizzlies are better poised through that this upcoming season and that Jaron being back, the rookies having sort of a probably a lot, pretty good amount of playtime. I'm assuming a pretty good amount of playtime this throughout the throughout the regular season. I think that bodes well for a good playoff run. So I'm still optimistic about the outlook of overall where the team can go, even if there are questions about the regular season. I'm not even gonna hold you, Candice. That three minutes, that three minutes in the third quarter of their first game, where uh Taylor Jenkins substituted in on the entire bench going into like the first four minutes of the fourth quarter of their first game that essentially was the game yep you know hope you know hopefully hopefully uh we won't you know just like we want to see growth in the players in their games we want to see growth in taylor jenkins as a play column more and more so as a game manager, almost like a, uh, almost like a Jimmy Garoppolo throwing another uh, football reference. You went in my heart. You went in my heart. Uh, <laughs> right. And I'm just, I'm just gonna say this because I'm a Titans fan. I'm gonna say it. Uh, uh Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. If we could, if we could just get Taylor Jenkins, where if he can, you know, manage the game in a manner. To, to win the game instead of not lose the game, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it will uh, do the Grizzlies more good than it will harm. I, I'm looking forward to see his growth, too. And Dylan Brooks, uh, he kind of uh, hinted at it in, an, in an interview. He said initially when, when um, Taylor Jenkins began coaching, he only had two plays. I said two. <laughs> Two, yeah, like, and and now coming in this year, Dylan Brooks said he his his playbook and his his the way he viewed the game has expanded. So hopefully again, you know, that occurs this offseason and the Grizzlies will benefit from it. Exactly. And I I think it will. I'm pretty optimistic. So I think we cover a, a fair amount, a lot of the Grizzlies. You have any uh, just kind of closing thoughts on the season or uh, anything, any uh, final words before we get ready to head out? I, I just look, thank you, first of all, for even having me uh, on your initial show. It's going to do, it's going to do big numbers. You're going to do great things as usual. Uh, you can, y'all can follow me at Young Harriet. I will be in uh, most of the Grizzlies post-game spaces. I'm in all of the spaces because the Memphis Grizzlies do have haters. Uh, we do have an application. If you're ready to sign up, you can even sign up on the, in the off-season season, the Memphis Grizzlies Hater Society. Uh, we'll be making a return this season. And then I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing the continued growth of this team, the continued growth of John Moran as a leader. 
to see Jerry Jackson uh, live up to his uh, full potential. And uh, again, I'm ready to see, uh, I'm ready to see them win, honestly. Yep. Not only for themselves, but for each other and um, the city, because the city uh, deserves. Well said. Very well said. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Young Harriet. Uh, give your give your uh, where they can find you one more time. Okay, my Twitter is at Young Harriet, and that's Y O Y O U N G H A R R I E T. I my Abby is of a young Draymond Green. That is me. <laughs> uh, I will be changing it during the uh, uh, beginning of the season. But until then, I'm going to let the haters uh, shine. Uh, because yeah. that, is, that is what I believe the haters look like on the inside. Uh, deal with it. <laughs> All right. And make sure you can check Young Harriet out on post-game and, and just throughout as events happen. On the Grizz, Grindhouse Grizz is going to give EJ a shout-out. Grindhouse Grizzlies, if you're not already following Spaces at Spaces Grizzlies. Be sure to follow that. And most importantly, you want to make sure you're, you're following Sports Ethos. So you can follow me uh, at Candace H901. Follow me at Candace H901. And be sure to follow the show Ethos Grizzlies. If you're not already, give us a like and a follow. Uh, follow my guys, David and Isaac. I don't have their Twitter handles on me at the moment, but if you go to Sports Ethos, you'll be able to find them quickly. So shout out to David and Isaac. We appreciate young Harriet, the queen of music Twitter, being on our show today. And we look forward to you next time. That's it, and we are gone.